Well, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Janice M., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, February 17th, 2017, and we're going to be reading today, continuing in Bill's story. We're going to be on page 7. We're going, the first read is going to start on paragraph 2 for context. It relieved me, and we're going to be reading and commenting on paragraphs three and four. Now, today's readers are 12 Steps, Marita P., 12 Traditions, Sally A. The readers for the text will be Larry K., uh, Leah S., and Mara Z. Now, the share ID for yesterday, which was Thursday, February 16th, 2017, is 9605. That is 9605. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Marita P. to read the 12 steps. Marietta. Good morning. Marietta P. from Virginia, the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admit we were powerless over food and our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And with that, I pass. Thank you. 
And thank you, Marietta P. I will now ask Sally A. to please read the 12 traditions. Good morning, a vision for you. Good morning again, Janice. Sally A. in New York, by the grace of God, recovered. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Number two, for our group purpose. There is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Number four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those who they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. With that, I pass. Thank you so much, Sally A. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Now, once you've done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Well, today we're resuming our study in the big book, and we're on page seven. And the first reader is going to read 
paragraph two for context only. It relieves it relieves me. And then he's going to read paragraph three and four, and that's what we will comment on. Please go ahead, our first reader, Larry. Please go ahead. Okay, Janice, thanks so much. Larry Kay, uh, Recovered Compulsive Reader. It relieved me somewhat to learn that in alcoholics, the will is amazingly weakened when it comes to combating liquor, though it often remains strong in other respects. My incredible behavior in the face of a desperate desire to stop was explained. Understanding myself now, I fared forth in high hope. For three or four months, the goose hung high. I went to town regularly and even made a little money. Surely this was the answer, self-knowledge. But it was not, for the frightful day came when I drank once more. The curve of my declining moral and bodily health fell off like a ski jump. After a time, I returned to the hospital. This was the finish, the curtain, it seemed to me. My wary and despairing wife was informed that, that it would all end with heart failure during delirium tremens, or I would develop a wet brain, perhaps within a year. She would soon have to give me over to the undertaker or the asylum. They did not need to tell me. I knew and almost welcomed the idea. It was a devastating blow to my pride. I, who had thought so well of myself and my abilities, of my capacity to surmount obstacles, was cornered at last. Now I was to plunge into the dark, joining that endless procession of sots who had gone before. I thought of my poor wife. There had been much happiness after all. What I would not give to make amends, but that was over now. Okay, well... Let me set my timer here. So, yeah, there's a lot here. And, um, you know, surrender, we see Bill descending into the hell of this disease. And surrender is essential in order to recover from alcoholism. And, and the big book uh, devotes uh, about 50, 51 pages to the first part of the surrender process, which is to admit we have a problem that we cannot help ourselves with. And here we see Bill descending into the quicksand of this disease. And prior to this point, it was like he was, you know, thrashing about in the quicksand, trying to save himself. And I, I know what that feels like, you know, through self-knowledge and rationalization and, and applying ourselves, working harder. And, you know, if you try to save yourself in quicksand, you go down faster. And, and that's what we see uh, here, um, you know, what jumps out to me here, the curve of my declining moral and bodily health fell off like a ski jump. You know, I picture a ski jump. And that's how quick and abrupt it was for him, how bad it got, how quickly he was going down. And I can remember that feeling as well prior to coming into, it was darkest before the dawn, prior you know, to coming into OA, I was, uh, my declining moral and bodily health fell off like a ski jump. I was getting bigger and bigger physically. My body was falling apart. But even worse, you know, was the emotional uh, terror and bewilderment and anxiety and fear. And about the only thing I can remember sitting down at my desk, you know, and working on my computer and, and trying to, to work with other people and trying to teach and all these different things. But the reality was is in the morning as I had a, you know, a dozen donuts or a dozen bagels in front of me and the, and the seeds all over my computer, you know, the keyboard of my computer. Maybe some of you can, can, can relate to that. 
that feeling and just how horrible I felt from, about myself and the remorse. I couldn't stop. I wanted so desperately to stop just like Bill, but I couldn't. I was cornered. I was cornered at last. And maybe that was the best place I needed to be to get to that place of surrender. Because eventually when you're powerless, when you truly have you know, this, this, this knowledge that you are powerless, I have no power to control this. Maybe we're closer to being done, to being done and to being open to anything. But at this point here, you know, Bill is, uh, he's, he's, his mindset is, uh, he's in bad shape here. He's in real bad shape here. And, you know, it's, it, it talks about that, you know, uh, now I was to plunge into the dark, joining the endless procession of sots who had gone on before. And I, I felt that way too. And I thought about the relationships, the wives. I didn't have a poor wife. I had two poor wives. Thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. And we'll, we'll hear more about the change. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Janice, we don't hear you. Janice M. Okay, who would like to comment on page seven, Harlan paragraphs G. three D. and four? Nessa R. This is Bella. Can I share? Judy P. Charles A. Monica T. Okay, let me Sarah let G. me just go. Yeah. Okay, we're going to be on this par- these paragraphs all morning. So, Harlan G. I heard Bella G. I'm sorry if I missed all the ones in between. I heard uh, Monica and I heard Charles. Nessa uh, R. Yeah, Charles H. And Inessa and R. Okay, let's go with that group first, okay? And then we'll be waiting for the next. Okay, Holland G., please, it's mm-hmm. your turn. Good morning, Janice, and thank you to you and to Team Friday for all your service this morning. And uh, this is Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. This is 1934. This is the second of three hospitalizations for Bill Wilson. This is early 34, spring of 34. He's going to be re-hospitalized in December of 34, but there's some interesting things that are going to happen in his life between now and then. Bill is in the hospital again and so forth sees by Bill's re-hospitalization that he is what he suspected Bill was, was a real alcoholic. Forget the heavy drinker. Forget the guy that got in trouble with alcohol every once in a while. This Wilson guy is an alcoholic. And Bill is coming to in his bed. His mind is just waking up. And in the doorway of his room are Silkworth and Lois Wilson. And Silkworth is telling Lois, after Lois keeps saying to Dr. Silkworth, certainly there's something you can do. Certainly there's got to be a way. Bill is so smart. Bill is so strong. And Dr. Silkworth is telling Lois what he has told many, many wives and many despairing people, that there is no hope for Bill and that he, is, he will end with heart failure during delirium tremens or develop a wet brain. What a wet brain is is really a dry brain. The brain and the liver cannot rehydrate themselves. And when the alcohol comes in, it, it dehydrates the cells. And that's why when these guys get up, they feel like they swallowed a sandbox. 
but the brain can't regenerate itself that way. And what happens is they become zucchinis. Uh, they get up in the morning and they come in and they change their diaper and they feed them and they plop them in front of the television set and they change their diaper and feed them. And, and this goes on endlessly. At least Alzheimer's has the decency to kill you. But a wet brain, these guys can live that way for decades. And Lois is hearing this, but unbeknownst to them, so is Bill. And his mind is racing back to the early 1920s when he just had married Lois and he mustered out from World War I and they came to New York and he got his start and he goes to Wall Street and he's becoming very, very successful. And now he's strapped to a bed at Towns Hospital and his wife is being told that he's either going to be in the insane asylum or he's going to be dead. And this is... This is the hopelessness that I felt in my life, too. But this is the spring of 1934, and we're just getting to the point. We're just going to get to the point on the next page where he is going to witness and become a part of one of the greatest miracles in the history of the world. And for Bill, it's always darkest before the dawn, as it is with us. And it reminds me, don't quit five minutes before the miracle. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you for letting me share. And thank you, Holland. I, um, okay, we're going to have, I hope you can hear me now. Am I, am I, let me, <laughs> Bella G., can you hear me? Yeah. Yes. Okay, yes. great. Go ahead, Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G., and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Janice, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. But that was over now. Yes, I know what it feel like because I was there. I was there for so many times. And, you know, I wanted so much to lose weight. And I wanted so much to keep the weight down. But I just couldn't. And I didn't understand why. I know that I am a smart person. I know that I am a responsible person. And really, I wanted to lose weight. And I wanted, and I tried so many ways and so many times. And I didn't understand why I cannot keep this weight down. Uh, down. And, you know, every time that I lost, I didn't even get compliments because everybody just told me, oh, let me see for how long you will keep it. And, you know, I came to a point that that's it. You know, I knew that this is the way I will continue to live. I knew that I am overweight. I knew that, you know, I live miserable and something is wrong with me. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that I am not there anymore. Today I am disconnected with my, from my ego. And today I, I am connected to a loving, accepting power and yes, I know I am powerless. I am powerless because I am human. And yes, thank you, God. Today I know that I have an allergy in the body, an obsession in the mind. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. And thank you, Bella G. Okay, Monica T., good morning to you. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T., and I am a 
recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. And um, um, I, too, was just going to give you history, and Harlan did such a good job of that. So I'm just going to, you know, repeat, like he said, that this is Bill's second treatment at Towns Hospital by Dr. Silkworth. And, you know, before that, the last, after the, the first time, he thought, you know, okay, I understand I have this disease, I have this physical allergy to alcohol, so I just don't drink alcohol, it'll be, you know, that's going to be the trick, and I'm going to be good, but he didn't realize, really, really understand the powerlessness and the unmanageability of the obsession of his mind, and for some reason or other, he picks up again, and he's fat flat on his back in the hospital and he he really he went the curve of my declining moral and bodily health fell off like a ski jump you know a ski jump is very very high and very very steep you jump off and bang down you go way down very fast very quickly and like and like harlan said he overheard dr silkworth talking to lois and he goes they did not need to tell me I knew and almost welcomed the idea. It was a devastating blow to my pride, you know. Um, he, he knew on some level how bad it was. But, you know, boy, this disease is powerful and baffling. And it's, you know, those lies our mind tells us, we still think. We, you know, we still think there's another way. There's something else I can try. You know, I can relate to all of that. But here, finally, he's, he's finally realizing, you know what? My way has not worked. You know, how's that working for you, Monica, is my favorite question to myself. How's that working for you? Well, it wasn't. And here he is, you know, he's, he's almost looking forward to death. How powerless, how hopeless, how unmanageable you get from this paragraph, this sense. He is, you know, he's cornered. And he knows it, and he's finally ready to give it in. And with that, I'll pass. Mm. And thank you, Monica T. Charles H., good morning to you. Hey, good morning, Janice. Charles H., um, a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, so it says, I, who had thought so well of myself and my abilities, of my capacity to surmount obstacles, was cornered at last. And, you know, he, he still wasn't cornered at last. You know, um, I could so identify with Bill, like, this time's going to be different and, you know, check out what I'm going to do today. Like, it, it's on today. I'm I'm going, I'm, my intensity is going to be, like, all of that, right? And um, and I wasn't cornered. And it takes me back to that page, page five, where it says, nevertheless, I still thought I could control the situation. Because the obsession in the mind is like, yo, I'm on fire. And we look at page six, he talks about all these sweet promises that I could make money going to the town and, you know, front and all that. that that's that's like all that false um that false serenity. False. Like, yeah, I could be after him for a few days and feel like I'm on top of the world. Right? And then this is the first time I hear him say, But my poor wife. Every time before it was like, I right, oh my God, I'm I'm dead, it's over and and all that. And, you know, I, I think he probably really thinks right now that it's really over. But as we read on, it's not over yet. And I could identify with all them times, like, this time's going to be different. I'll never do it like this. Uh, before I pass, there was a young man that called me yesterday 
and said that, you know, I picked up so many times and my sponsor said to call Charles. And, and I and I kept it real with him. I, I said, you know, your sponsor, is, is he's aiding and abetting your death. I said, he should have fired you because, you know what, we need to allow people. There's a war going on out there. The opposite of surrender is control. So if you still think you can control the situation, don't waste nobody else's time. Don't waste your time. Just have your first step experience, right? And hopefully before you go six feet under, um, you will come to because there's nothing no one can no human aid can help you if you don't want to be helped. You know, because I was cornered at last. I, I was cornered several times and I still wiggled my way out. I still resisted arrest. Today I, I'm not sure. I surrender. Surrender to win. If there's a newcomer on the line or somebody been here 30 years, surrender to win. We don't care how long you've been in AA. We don't care about that. This is OA, and we study the AA big book because it is OA approved. And with that, I pass. And thank you, Charles H. Okay, Nessa R., please, it's your turn. Thank you. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Nessa R., recovered in Toronto, Canada. And I, like Bill, um, was very confident in my abilities because since I was a little girl, I was an overachiever. I always got the best grades in school and not just in the subjects that I liked, but in all the subjects. Um, I graduated with top honors from university. I was accepted at 20 years old to an MBA program at Columbia University. Um, I had a high-powered job also in the finance field, and I did well, really well for the first, I don't know, maybe 10 years of my, <clears throat> of my career. But the food, the food really had me beat. And so when I came into these rooms 14 years ago, I was feeling like a total failure, a total loser. I was disgusted with myself. I thought... I had no control, no willpower, no self-respect. Um, you know, it, it was the self-loathing was was the most probably the most unbearable part of my disease. And then I came into these rooms and I learned that I have a disease. I was told that I had a disease, and it was spiritual, emotional, physical, and uh, and that was that. And that brought some relief, but. Um, I was in relief for the next um, nine years in the rooms because I didn't achieve very much. You know, I barely lost any weight. I could not string uh, enough abstinence together. You know, the meetings that I went to, and, and the reason for that is that I didn't really know what the nature of my disease was. I didn't understand that it was truly a spiritual malady and that the root of my powerlessness over food lay in the fact that I have an allergy of the body that I cannot do anything about and an obsession of the mind that this, the, the, the 12 steps um, can help me um, conquer um, with God's help. Um, because the meetings that I went to either read different literature or if we read uh, the big book, you know, we would read it for 10 minutes and then people would share about their life's problems. So not much learning there. And I started to become just as demoralized in the rooms as I did, as I was when I first came in. And then about six years ago, with a change of a meeting, I came across somebody whom the problem had been solved and the whole picture changed. Like a whole universe of recovery opened up to me 
thanks to her, a, 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 a universe of entire abstinence, a universe where um, the blockages that I had from my real solution were removed. Firstly, the food and then myself, you know, because I had to get the cells out of me. And this is what the steps did. Um, and this is what the steps do, not just remove the food, the food obsession, but, you know, remove the cells so I can connect with the true, real solution, which is God. And with that, I pass. Thank you. And thank you so much, Nessa R. Just a reminder that we're on page seven, and we're commenting on, on paragraph three and paragraph four, which continues to uh, page eight. Who would like to be next? Melissa J. Judy I J. I heard, I heard Leah S. I heard Melissa uh, J. I didn't hear anybody. Sally A. Kim G. All right, G. that's I heard Sally A. And I heard Kim G. Kim another one. Vasa O. Anybody else? One more. And Melissa J. No, I heard somebody before you, Melissa. Who was that? Nessa? Lynn S. Lynn S. Okay, and then we'll take you. Just remind me, Lynn S. Okay, let's have Leah S. First, followed by Sally A. Go ahead, Leah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Good morning, everyone. This is Leah as a recovered compulsive overeater from Brooklyn. So that we're going through this, uh, um, par- these paragraphs and the, these, this chapter where I'm going yo-yo up and down. Bill is going yo-yo up and down. He's promising himself and he's going to despair and. You know what? When I came into program, I didn't want to hear about your problem. Come on, I want to lose weight, and what is your solution? And just go ahead and give it to me, and and don't tell me about all the stuff of, of p- other people going on and what they're going on, and what's what's happening. And the more I read it, the more I want to be reminded of what rut I am coming out from. What hell I was going through, what had been my life, how weary, how despairing, all this that I was coming out from. And this is like step one. I have to admit to the innermost gut of myself that I am a compulsive overeater and that this is my disease. It is It is where I'm coming from. But, yes, I am a compulsive overeater. We always um, hear about the double whammy that, that, that people talk about. And, yes, the double whammy is such a powerful, insidious thing. What is it? It means that I have a mental obsession and I have an allergy to certain foods. And through the grace of God, oh, my God, through the grace of God, I came out of it. Oh, yes, I do want to be reminded of what I'm coming through. And I do want to be reminded of all that 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 pain and, and, and hopelessness and power and near death where I felt that I was going to, that I finally came out of. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. <clears throat> and thank you, Leah S., Sally A, it's your turn. Thank you. Good morning again. A vision for you. It's Sally A in New York. Um, by the grace of God, recovered. And um, I wanted to share here this morning. Um, I noticed that we see that the frightful day came again when he drank once more. 
And this was after his mother and his brother-in-law rescued him um, and after um, a delightful, kind doctor, in his mind, rescued him. And where is he at this point? But he is, he's a dry drunk. I know what that looks like. I've been a dry drunk. I know exactly how that looks and feels. And his dependence is on his brother-in-law, a physician, his mother, who also was a physician, and a kind doctor. And he walked away thinking, it's over. I'm done. I'm, I'm going to be well now with his self-knowledge about his disease. And yet, what was he but a dry drunk? And he had probably, like me, at, at strong points in my life, his dependence was on these people. And it's not until he learns that it's getting connected to himself, to, his, to others, and to God that he's going to start to get well. We know that we're going to be seeing very soon where his wife says to him, but don't worry, even if no one else is getting help by what you're doing, it's helping you. But I must tell you that in the past, even my own connectivity to other people, to myself, and to God was so selfish. It was, I need to make three phone calls. I need to do this. I need to do that and this and the other thing because I need. It wasn't about me being selfless. It wasn't about me connecting with other people because maybe they need a phone call today. And so Bill has so much to learn still here where we are in his story. It's a wonderful thing that he has, that he can remember these little details for all of us so that we can identify in. Thank you for letting me share with that. Mm. And thank you, Sally A. Good morning to you, Kim G. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Boy, this progression is getting tough here. You know, I, I think about the last eight pages, eight pages we've been studying, where it's saying, you know, when first when these guys are jumping off the building, you know, Bill's scoffing at them for, for killing themselves, and then then he gets to the point where should I kill myself? Uh, no, not now. And last the page before, he's dragging a mattress to the bottom of the of the floor because he's afraid he's going to jump out the window. And now he's welcoming death. Oh, I can I can relate into that. You know, I remember many nights, even in high school, going to bed and thinking, well, if I don't wake up, that's okay. That's okay. Because living life was just so difficult. You know, I think about, this is very true for me and my experience in Overeaters Anonymous. You know, one of my favorite um, AA speakers, Sandy B., talks about the fact the longer he's sober, the better his childhood gets <laughs> because he gets better perspective. And I think that's true with my recovery. I used to get so angry at OA for, for languishing in it for 17 years. But the longer I'm recovered, I realize, you know, I came into OA at 27. My mom had been in for years. My mom's a, a wonderful example of a recovered life. But, you know, I'm 27, and I'm much smarter than my mother. So even though I see what she's doing, I'm thinking 12 steps, 12 weeks, I'm out of here. That was 22 years ago. You know, and, yes, there are some confusing messages in Overeaters Anonymous. But me personally, I came in in 94. In 96, I saw Joe and Charlie. I got to be on a weekend with Joe and Charlie. And I walked out of that meeting thinking, wow, this is incredible information. And thank God I'm just in OA and I have to just go to meetings and work a food plan. You know, if, if there was two options in a meeting, if I heard the message like I heard on Vision for You, total absence and work in the steps, and I heard another message to say, you know what, just write a gratitude list at night and make phone calls, 
if I'm not at this, at the nadir of my of my disease, I was picking an option of just writing a gratitude list and making phone calls. It wasn't until I was cornered at last that I was willing in a 12-step program to actually do the 12 steps. You know, and I'm someone, you know, I, I love dogs, and on Facebook I'm doing all this dog stuff, so I get a lot of dog rescue um, stuff coming through my Facebook feed. And I always remember the pictures of, you know, that they're cornering this dog that is, you know, astray, and he's matted, and he's starving, and he's miserable, and he's fighting them, and he's fighting them, and he's fighting them, and finally they corner this dog, and the second they get him in his arms, you can see the dog go, oh, and relax, because he knows that he's safe. That's what step one is like. The people who are having a good time in the step one chapters, I worry about them. If I, your disease is going to fight. I fought, and I fought, and I fought, and I went through this work, and finally it was like, all right, I'm screwed. All right, I have this allergy. All right, I have this mental obsession, and I surrendered to the process, and that's where we are with Bill right now, and with that, I pass. Mm. And thank you so much, Kim G. Okay, um, Vasa, oh, it's your turn. Good morning. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Janice, for your service. And I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive reader calling from Florida. And, um, yeah, after trying all those things I did for many, many, many years, it did not work. And there was really nothing more for me than I wanted to stop eating. And, and I didn't want to die. So, I, I, again, when I came to the program, I was just so ready and so, so desperate to hear the solution, and I'm so grateful that God led me to Overeaters Anonymous, a person that gave me this book. She 12-stepped me for almost about a week, and she did talk about the allergy. And I, you know, I was abstinent even before I went to my first meeting because she, she scared me. She said food, you know, I didn't know about the, um, the, the sugar was um, allergy to the body. And I said, oh, my God, I've been, I've been trying to put that, for 25 years of my life, I could put it down for a little, but I always picked that up. So I was very productive. I was, I was overachiever since I, since I was a little girl. And I'm not in school, but in other areas of my life. And I, want, I was going to be the perfect mother. I was going to be the perfect wife. I was going to be the best housekeeper. And, I, I, and this and that, it was I, 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 and me, you know. But I could not control the food. And that was a big thorn in my life. I could not put it down. You know, my life was unmanageable. Beca- became It was very progressive. It was getting unmanageable in other areas of my life gradually. And what I was thinking, Bill ta- thought about his wife. I was not thinking about my husband. I was too pissed at him at that time. And I remember I was worrying. I was thinking and worrying about my children you know, I had a three-year-old child. I said, oh, my God, I'm going to die. If I don't put this food down, I'm going to die. This child's not kind of a mother, you know. Even my other children, and they were teenagers, you know. And I heard, I was so willing, and I was so ready to hear the good news that's here, written in this book, and I just surrendered. You know, I surrendered to the food before I came to my first meeting, just, I said, there's nothing more I can do. I'm just going to die. I'm just going to die. I felt so powerless, you know. And then coming here, I found hope. And I heard my sponsor say, you need to surrender to find a higher power greater than yourself. It hasn't worked by your way. 
doesn't look like it has worked very well. So this is what you need to do. I surrender to God, surrender to the program, surrender to the steps, but I needed to be put those alcoholic foods down. And it was not easy, believe me. I wanted to eat so bad. I wanted to throw myself on the floor and like a baby. I wanted my drug so bad, but I kept on asking, God, please help me. Just get from one meal to the next, you know. And then I threw myself in the 12 steps, and I'm, I've been here for many, many years, and this is the only thing that has worked for me. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. And thank you, Vasa. Oh, okay. Good morning to you, Lynette. Gretchen. Good morning. This is Lynette, a recovering compulsive reader from Toronto, Canada. This uh, last paragraph isn't reminding me so much of when I came into OA, but it is reminding me of my last relapse and the, the awfulness of that. And when it says, I who had thought so well of myself and my capabilities in OA, who had had the wonderment of the obsession of food being lifted, I had been relieved of over 140 pounds, and it always amazed me because I did it without dieting. You know, there was no dieting going on. What I was doing was working the steps, and I was experiencing emotional, physical, and uh, mental recovery and putting the binge foods down and then finding the desire, the desire to eat a clubhouse sandwich that had been deep fried and called a Monte Cristo and all that was completely lifted. And it was, I couldn't imagine such a thing because I'd been thin a million times. I knew how to do that, but the only way I knew how to be thin was diet restrict and white knuckle and hang on and hang on and hang on. And this amazing experience of OA where the desire to binge was lifted and I didn't want copious amounts of bread and all my binge foods and I didn't perform the binge behaviors. It was it was a miracle. And then also remembering, you know, the emotional and spiritual growth, the joy of working the steps, yearly trips to Akron, throwing myself into the history of AA, you know, being at Dr. Bob's house, being in the gatehouse, seeing Bill's phone, but it wasn't just that, it was the inclusiveness. I was in life, I was enjoying it. And that's what I was looking back over. And all of that was gone because I had been in eight years of relapse where I had periods of being stark raving abstinent, but no recovery. And I could not get it back. And I remember just sitting there and, and talking to God and saying, you know, God, I, I, um, I know you are the only way and working the steps are the only way, but I can't do it. I have tried and tried and tried, and I can't do it. And the wonderment of my life in OA was over now. And thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. That was my surrender, and I was on the way to recovering. And with that, I passed. And thank you so much, Leah. I mean, um, Lynn S. Okay, whom else would like to comment? Reva P. Reva P. Anybody else? Melissa C. Melissa, yes, of course. Melissa C. Anybody else? Judy P. Judy P. Uh, okay, maybe let's take one more, then we'll see the time. 
Well, let's go there first. We won't waste any more time. Barbara P. Okay, me. Yeah. All right, Reva P. Please go ahead. Good morning. It's Reva P. Grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. Um, Reading about bills coming to bottom reminds me that my bottom had not as much to do with my physical body um, and my size as my mental, moral, soul bottom. And it's only when I got to that um, inner heart, gut bottom, when I can't live with the food and I can't live without it. And I'm at that stuck place, um, which is my turning point. That's the only time um, I'm really open to what this program offers. Um, Because if I don't get to that place of utter powerlessness, morally, mentally, spiritually, why would I need to do the rest of the steps? Because the whole point of the steps are to um, remove my block so that I have access to a power that's not me. Um, So I need to get to this point. And, you know, seeing so many people come in this past month or so into the new year, you know, when, when people still seem to have it together, like it's not so bad, you know, I binge here and there, but it's not so bad. I know that's bad news because they're not going to be willing to do what it takes. So I need to be finished, done, beat, totally. Like I cannot try anymore. You know, I, I try, I try, I try. And uh, there's a meditation book I read that's OA approved that talks about, you know, a drowning victim, just like it was shared about the dogs. Like I need to be powerless, like drowning where I can't fight, and the more I fight, the more I sink down into the water, that's when God can really um, do for me what I can't do for myself. And I wanted to add, it's not just about being powerless coming into program to start beginning the work. It's in program, when I have character defects coming up, doing the work, you know, it's a very uh, fine line realizing I don't will myself out of defects. I have to be totally powerless, and it has to be so objectionable, my behavior, that again, I turn to God, because the whole point is to change my thinking, change my behavior, way beyond putting down the food. So it's like that throughout um, the rest of my life now, coming to that place where I can't control things anymore, and I let God do for me what I can't do for myself. With that, I pass. Mm. And thank you, Reva P. Okay, we have Melissa C. It's your turn. Hi, good morning, Janice. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C. Recovered, compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, I think about that that ski jump and um, how quickly for me – uh, the decline is, you know, it's like you're, you're soaring through the air. You think you've got it. You're, you're getting somewhere and then boom, you know, um, I'm, I'm on the ground again. And that's how it, you know, that's how it was for me in this disease. And so I was able, you know, I put down sugar, I put down, uh, all junk food and thinking that that was enough. You know, I had the, the self knowledge. These are the foods that I need to stay away from. Um, but I was working a program that had little else, you know, pieces here and there and not doing anything, you know, full force. And then it's three years ago that um, 
I found myself binging on ridiculous things and, you know, cereal, rice cakes, stuff that I thought was okay, um, but they weren't. And, and how quickly uh, my moral and my physical decline was. So that, um, you know, when I came here three years ago and I started listening, I was a terrified person. And that's what um, really had me backed against the wall was that I always thought of myself as fearless, you know, I, yeah, I had the food, the food made me a really brave woman, um, but I wasn't afraid of anything, and I was shaking, I would drive to work trembling, and terrified, and felt physically sick, and that's when I knew that I was beat by this, and so this is so different, you know, when, when they say, like, um, you know, you, we stand on the edge, you know, we let go, absolutely, that's different than doing the ski jump. The ski jump is like, I'm full of my own power and I'm going to get somewhere with that. And then I fall. But when I let go, absolutely, you know, and I'm on that edge um, and I, I, I um, surrender, you know, it's not on my own power. It's a surrender process. And um, thank you with that all passed. Mm. And thank you so much, Melissa C. Okay, Judy P., it's your turn. Hi, Janice. Good morning, and thanks for your service. Um, my name is Judy P. I'm from Central New Jersey. I have to say I'm nervous. It's my first time sharing. But mm. I did put it on my 10th step, so the power of the 10th step, my fear of sharing on this meeting. So what I could relate to was about um, where he had thought so well of himself and he was going to plunge into the dark, and it just reminded me of the um, how every diet it, I realized it not only ended in failure, but it set me back further into my disease. And I never got it. And uh, for me, my first diet started at seven when my parents sent me to diet camp for two months. And I held the honor. They said, oh, wow, we don't take kids to their eight. And we took you at seven. And they sent me for nine more summers. And so my whole life was grounded if I could only find, not even find the right diet, stick to the right diet. And um, for sure, weight loss was the solution and being a normal body size. So uh, in my first recovery, I could never quite get rid of that diet mentality or my obsession with body image. Um, but it's not until this recovery, which I'm grateful for, which I've had for a little over four years now, um, that I had to see a new way of life and a new recovery or I would relapse again. Um, it's been really hard to break the diet mentality and not be convinced that is a solution. Um, I know people share, you know, I see, and I forgot to set my timer, sorry, I had it all here ready to hit. But, you know, people share, wow, they have this, uh, you know, something or flavor I've never tried. And I'm like, oh, my God, there's another new diet I haven't tried. I want to try that diet, too. But I've been blessed, um, you know, with a normal body size now for two years. And um, I'll tell you, this program is amazing. It saved me in ways I could not even imagine. And I'll pass. Thanks. Well, <clears throat> thank you. You still had time left. All right. Thank you. Okay, Barbara E., I think we can take you if you're available. You with us? Mm, okay. Whom else? I can take a couple if they go about two minutes each. Maria A. Maria A. And whom else? 
Sigrid Fetter. Sigrid? Yep. Okay, please go ahead. Maria A. from New York. Please go Um, ahead. I'm reading the Bill story right now, and what jumped out at me was the desperate and everybody's insanity for the other person. I can relate to Bill. Bill was saying, when other people see the insanity with you and you don't see your insanity, you know how the you're doing the push-ups out, out in the parking lot. And that's all I have to say. Okay, Maria, thank you. Thank you. Okay, um, Sigrid, what was your first initial to your last name, please? Yep, the first name is Sigrid, S-I-G-R-I-D. And the last letter is S, like Frank. Thank you so much. Please go ahead. Sure. Um, Sigrid F., uh, Recovering Compulsive Overeater in Florida. And I wanted to share a little bit on the manageability or lack of manageability of my life. And, you know, I've been in OA three years, and the first year absolutely had surrendered in terms of my food and I think there was still lingering there that, well, other areas of my life, you know, I'm, I'm still pretty together. I, I still am, you know, pretty great at work or, or whatever. And then last year, slowly but surely, I was losing my connection with God. Of course, hindsight, 2020. And work was very stressful, and I was taking back control and gaining a little weight, but nobody to really look at me would notice that my physical um, was really diminished in any great way, but the mental, um, my, my emotional side of the stool had gotten very short. And it took a little while for me to realize all about, we kind of went back to step one. Um, I joined AV4U in early January, and they were talking all about step one and manageability, and it, and it dawned on me that it really wasn't just about the food compulsion for me. It was about the entire unmanageability of all areas of my life. And I just wanted to say I'm grateful for the reminder and for the push to admit that it isn't just the food, it's Uh the unmanageability in my life. And um, so one day at a time, I am recovering and I feel good and I'm very grateful to God and the program. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Singrid. Yes. Does anybody want to come in for a minute? All right. I just want to quickly say my name is Janice M. And, uh, you know, this is a great place to be, uh, to be desperate. Because until I was desperate and still ran out of all kinds of options, I still thought after years in OA, et cetera, um, that I could do it. And then I came to a point that, you know, I'm getting old. I might as well eat myself to death because then I will be with God. Well, of course, you know, <laughs> I still can't control death. And, um, you know, I had learned that you have to get insane first and then you die. But anyway, um, it's a good place to be so that the only place to go now is up. And with that, I will pass. And uh, we're going to close now. And I want to thank everyone who has shared So please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Leah S. please read A Vision for You, our book, 
is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, I will. Thank you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.